The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 10. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from our Father in heaven and the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. One of my favorite films of all time is the 1998 Coen Brothers classic, The Big Lebowski. The action of the movie, if you haven't seen it, revolves around a case of mistaken identity, where some bad guys break into the home and soil the rug of a local unemployed ex-hippie who goes by the name The Dude after mistaking him, mistaking him for a millionaire with the same name. It really tied the room together. Yeah. The, pot, the plot unravels when multiple groups uh, jump in. They're after some stolen money. Bunny, the young bride of the millionaire Lebowski, goes missing. And the, dude friend, the dude's friend, Walter, just complicates the issue. There are a lot of ins, outs, and what have yous. No one listens to the dude who just wants his rug back. It really tied the room together. The events which could have been easily avoided... Had there not been a mix-up in the beginning, end up working out, just so you know. Bunny is located. The would-be kidnappers get what's coming to them. The dude gets a new rug, loses it again, and meets a special lady friend. It's a character-driven story. These characters really make the action move forward. There's Donnie, the kind and loyal friend who loved the ocean. Walter, the Vietnam veteran, is dude's bowling partner and loyal to a fault. Maud, stepdaughter of the Big Lebowski, and possible mother to the dude's child. Then there's Sam Elliott, the narrator and a cowboy, all-knowing, divine figure. And of course, there's Jesus, Jackie Treehorn, some nihilists, Knox Harrington, the video artist, and Arthur Digby Sellers, who wrote 156 episodes of Branded, the bulk of the series. Well, the early church reminded me of this movie because it was full of characters, too. And we get to hear about a few of them in today's reading from Acts. They're in Antioch, which is to the north of Jerusalem, along the coast, and the congregation was in fasting and in deep prayer, in worship. There was Simeon, called Niger, probably of African descent. Manan, a, a member of the court of Herod, one with connections to the upper class. And Saul, who was formerly persecuting followers of Jesus, right there in this worshiping community. And these folks were listening to the Holy Spirit, which called out Paul and Barnabas as ones to go out and preach to the nations. And maybe if there was time, they could stop at the In-N-Out Burger. These two would set out to share the gospel of Jesus with people where they lived into modern-day Turkey and would later write them letters. These cities were in a region called Galatia. We know that letter to the Galatians. Yes. They were full of people just trying to survive. There were Greeks and Romans and Jews and Phrygians. Oh, the Phrygians. Don't get me started. But in Lystra, 
After being mistaken for Zeus and Hermes, Paul and Barnabas object. They say, this aggression will not stand, man. Perhaps they were confused by the Lyconian language and excited, thinking they were making good progress. All these people are just ready to convert. There is a fervor in the city. Maybe they were tempted just to keep quiet and see what would happen next. When the priests of Zeus show up, they're there about to sacrifice their cattle to these so-called gods. These apostles have to speak up. Wait, 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 wait a minute. They protest. They teach the people that they are but mere mortals proclaiming the gospel, telling the story of Jesus Christ, the true son of God who made the universe just a case of mistaken identity. But to appeal to the context of the people, to really get where they live, they teach that the hidden God is the one who made all they can see. The one who has given them rain and food and joy. There was a reason the people might have mistaken these two missionaries for God, for gods. The history of the place included the legend of when Hermes and Zeus came to the earth in disguise. And no one would welcome them. They received no hospitality until two old peasants, Philemon and Bacchus, finally took them in. And as a result, everyone in the city, in the whole region, was wiped out except for those who welcomed them, who were turned into trees to watch over a great temple. This was the legend that these people lived with. So when these two miracle makers showed up, they thought, they're back. We can have a chance to make this right. Paul and Barnabas arrives, arrive out of their element. Maybe the people thought, this is our chance. This is our shot now. And then in this case of mistaken identity, offer sacrifice to Barnabas and Paul, hoping to earn their favor. The gospel, that was new information. They could only hear it in the context of their own story, if at all. And this fervor that came after Paul and Barnabas healed a man born with a disability, whipped them up into a frenzy. They had heard Paul speak, but all the people knew was that these men had performed a miracle. And I wonder about that often. How can we hear the gospel in our own context for Las Vegans in the 21st century, for ELCA, for the Lutherans, for people who need this good news too? And we still mess it up and mix it up with the things of our own culture, too, don't we? We put obstacles in place that make it hard for anyone to hear Jesus over the myths and legends we tell ourselves. Manifest destiny, doctrine of discovery, colonization, Christian, Christendom, Christendom, they're the results of Christian witness being wrapped up in our selfish and short-sighted and sinful narratives of power. We get it confused. These are not Jesus stories, but stories of our own wills. What can we really know except our stories? You can hardly blame us. I mean, we can read books and study philosophy, history, the classics, literature, and have an awareness of things larger than us. But what can we really know except our own various and particular experiences? If we have felt alone, that's the reality we know. If we have been hurt, we can find it difficult to believe in healing. And if we only know our failures, how can we know new life and new reality? 
be to God that certain things have come to light. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. He ascended into heaven. He kept the promise not to leave us abandoned. And the Spirit is moving. And the Spirit moves us to act up and act out and tell our stories, share our lives with one another. That is where we live. You don't have to be God. You don't have to be God's. But your story can proclaim the good news of Jesus. Let identities not be mistaken. We are not God, but our stories can proclaim this good news. Among us, there are stories of service, consistent service, forgiveness, and reconciliation. Folks tirelessly working to support families, serving in the community, helping neighbors, taking care of students and new mothers, caring for our church building, teaching children about Jesus, being a good citizen, feeding seniors. We've had far too many funerals in the last years, but when we think of those saints who sat in the pews next to us and recall the ways they quietly lived their faith, boldly stood their ground, firmly trusted in the promise of Jesus, and gave of themselves to make a difference where they lived, for the people of Reformation, we get a glimpse into how our stories are all intertwined, connected to the source of all life, the one who made heaven and earth. All these characters come together to make the church. Our stories are Jesus' stories. And we live and we tell how he made us, how he healed us, how he guided us, how he brought us together to celebrate, to grieve, to worship and pray and sing, and all the mishaps in between. How he came down from heaven to where we live. How he died and rose again for us, for the whole world. How he sent the Spirit to lead us and guide us and save us. We are the church, the body of Christ. And that nothing we can do can separate us from what Jesus has done for us. Jesus reassures his friends after getting ready to send them out from where they lived. About to enter a world of pain. To go and cast out demons, to heal the sick and bring new life. He says, go, be welcomed. Welcome others. And when we leave this place, you hear the words, go in peace, Christ is with you. That's the truth. Christ is with you at home, at work, in your worries, celebrations, hidden thoughts, and every footstep. God is working in you. Believe it, even when you don't perceive it. But not because of how special you are, not because of how knowledgeable you are, how spiritual, pious, or perfect. The promise remains, just as he told those disciples at the end of Matthew's Gospel, I am with you. We are sent out from here, carrying the story of Jesus with us, in us, this incarnation continuing for the sake of the world we live in. And we are formed in relationship with one another. The mission of the 21st century church for the church of every age is to listen for the opportunities given in the spirit of God. To listen for what God is up to in our congregations, in our communities. To listen to the needs of neighbors. To meet them where they live. To keep the faith 
in prayer and in worship. In acts of service, humility, generosity, and to care for the least of those in our communities. At our confirmation class Thursday night, we got to talk about baptism as the rain came down outside. And they're not here, so I can talk about them. But those four girls and I uh, stood around that font, and they made that little prayer change of, of all the people who remind them that they are baptized. And as they dipped their finger in the bowl and marked the sign of the cross on each other's foreheads, they reminded each other, you are baptized into Christ. And that's who we are, too, baptized into Christ. We don't have to be anything other than who we are. We get to share our stories in the way Jesus has entered into them. And as we do, the Spirit transforms us, and iron sharpens iron, and the good news shows up right where we live. It stands us up straight and moves us from where we were to where God has called us to go. Amen.